We gotta go to the bullpen. Welcome to the Highland Bullpen, the all-new podcast bringing America's pastime to Scotland shores. It doesn't matter if you're a Hall of Famer heading for Cooperstown or you're fresh out of the minor leagues, this is the podcast for you. Just thinking, Dave's BT connection must be absolutely flying. This new one. <laughs> He's hand cranking it. He's got a hand cranking broadband thing. There you go. So we've all been for haircuts this week. I always wondered when I was a youngster, you know, like a young boy, and you know, sort of old guys, old people, you know, I was quite interested in what all the guys had to say, but. I always thought, I wonder what it's going to be like when you get old. How, you know, because they're obviously getting left behind by this new it's 1970s technology and <laughs> ideas and pop music. I just thought, you know, is that ever going to happen to me? You know, I'm sure we're going to keep up with whatever happens. And uh, yes, I'm, I'm now beginning to realise that slowly it is technology, everything else that's kind of leaving me behind. Well, you're not alone in that, David. I don't know, Skelps, if you can relate to this or not, but Charlie and the video games now, it used to be I had to, like, kind of let them compete in winning things and stuff like that now, and now he's handing me my backside and everything we play. So naturally, being a, a grown-up, I'm refusing to play him anymore now that he, uh, he's actually winning. But I don't know if Archie's at that stage yet, Skelps, or whether you play video games together. Oh, it's not even that. Um, it's not even just video games, Richard, it's just anything. Yeah. <laughs> I never knew if it was possible to have a hero for our section this week who I'd never heard of until two hours ago. Well, actually, it definitely is because the Pittsburgh Pirates are mourning one of their favourite sons, Rennie Stennett, who was confirmed, passed away today, as we speak, at the age of 72. Now, Rennie was the the sole holder of a remarkable feat in baseball, but he managed to go seven for seven, seven at-bats, seven hits, against the Chicago Cubs on September the 16th, 1975. That was a good year, 75. It was the year I was born. And Rennie remains the only player to have achieved that remarkable feat in the modern era. And obviously the Pirates are in mourning in his family. But it was interesting to me, guys, that obviously digging a lot more to his career and his history, he was also part of the first ever all-minority lineup to be fielded in MLB back in 1971. But I would be honest with you, and I'd be interested in Yorkshire, Dave's taken this as a man who knows his history. I find it remarkable that he had seven at-bats in the one regular nine innings game to begin with. Yes, I don't know what the final score in that game was, but it's usually sort of between four and five at-bats, isn't it? You know, if uh, if it's a high-scoring game, you might see a guy get six at-bats. But, you know, if he's gone seven for seven, you know, and he's he's got a hit in in every at-bat, would they have been wearing that fantastic Pirates cap? Yeah, the pillbox. So, yeah, I would imagine it was just a high-scoring game and they... You know, they kept him in the game and they went round sort of the top the top of the order seven times. Oh, absolutely. And obviously, if you're after that Pirates classic hat or any other retro baseball gear, be sure to check out Dugout Classics for fantastic MLB gear at great prices. Alan, are you pretty impressed at that seven for seven, that magnificent seven that Rennie went for back in 1975? I'd be impressed to see my team get seven hits in the game watching the Tigers. <laughs> so one one guy going and doing that himself seven times. It's impressive. I'm, I'm always intrigued as to how players seem to have their eye in on certain days. So you can have a guy just swinging and missing all the time. But some guys do seem to have those days better than others. As a stats guy, I've not worked out in my mind if that is the eye is in or that's just the statistical probability of these things 
I wonder what the pressure was like when he was stepping up for his seventh at bat. Yeah, incredible. And you're quite right, Yorkshire, Dave. In that particular game, the Pittsburgh Pirates just edged out the Cubs 22-0. He got two hits in a pair of innings. He recorded hits off a set of brothers, hitting two from starting pitcher for the Cubs, Rick Rauschel, in the first innings, and then hitting his record-breaking seventh to complete the the misery for the Rauschel family, hitting it off his uh, Rick's brother, Paul, in the eighth inning at the final of his... Seven at-bats, and in case you're wondering, listeners, that's stacked up double, single, single, double, single, single, and triple. So he didn't get a homer. That sounds like our order at the bar. When we're we're just getting warmed up. (laughs) That's not far off the record, is it? 22 runs, was 29 achieved recently. And he was a solid hitter throughout his career. He was a career 274 hitter of his best season, according 336. But it's a pretty remarkable record. For those that are wondering, Ty Cobb, legendary Hall of Famer, was one of 43 players to have gone six for six. But Rennie remains the only man ever to have made it to seven. Nightmare game to score. Having said that, was it on Sunday there, I decided I was going to try and score a game. I downloaded a score sheet. The ideal game for a scorer is, you know, sort of a low-scoring game where you can just tick off the strikes and <laughs> it's all very neat. So, you know, you've got nine players and you've got nine innings and, it, you know, the boxes go down nine times. So if you're going round in the same inning, if they get, the same guy gets to bat again, then it's there's no room for it to put to put it in. So I don't know quite how you would do that. In fact, I was in danger of having to do that with the Red Sox and the Angels, where um, I think in the second inning they everyone got an at bat. So um, yeah, that must have been a, a challenge for. We probably needed an Excel spreadsheet to do that. Uh, Absolutely. And we know a man or two who loves a spreadsheet, so I'm sure they would have enjoyed that challenge, Alan. Uh, and also, listeners, I would encourage you, there's a connection between Rennie Stennett and the great Roberto Clemente, as both of them played in the same team uh, at the 71 World Champions just a year before Clemente tragically died in a plane crash. And I would encourage listeners to check out our early episodes for a really fantastic feature from Yorkshire Dave discussing the career of Roberto Clemente. Dave Jr., seven for seven, that's pretty impressive, is it not? It's not too bad at all, yeah. Um, uh, Dave mentioned there about coming back around the order, uh, and again, it seems to come around quite quick. On that note, about you know, working your way back through the, that nine, I've noticed in the last few weeks, it's, it's just, again, one of those things as you get more and more used to baseball, the batters can definitely be more noticeably aware of how to hit that pitcher better the second time round. And it's again, you know, how's that guy's game today? Particularly, you know, lead-off guys, you know, what has that pitcher got today? What's their stuff looking like? But you can see them and, and you, you completely understand now why a pitcher's manager looks to perhaps substitute these guys out before they start going through the order a third time. Um, seeing just how, how well they're performing that day you know, clearly, the less pitches you're throwing in a game, the better. The more likely uh, is that you're having that you and your team are having a, a good game. But to really make sure and put that stamp on, on the pitching side, and again, it's another indication as to why teams have got that backup support in the bullpen. In terms of heroes, Alan, has anyone caught your eye in the world of MLB this week? I'm going to kill two birds with one stone here, if I can. Spencer Turnbull, uh, Highland bullpen. Uh, favourite pitcher. So he's had a four-year career with the Tigers. I think he's doing quite well this year. An interesting stat, though, that in his four-year career, his record against American Central League teams was not for 15. So no wins and 15 losses. But he picked up a win for, for the Tigers against the Royals last week. So that was his first ever win against an American League Central team, which is obviously the league that he's playing in so that along with decent pitching stats of, of his one win uh, 1.42 ERA and seven strikeouts I'm, I'm also and we'll come on to the batter later but I'm going to give him our pitcher of our week and our fantasy team as well so uh, yeah obviously some bias there but I like that 
record. And interesting. I had a quick look at his record. He's four years, nine wins. So highlights we mentioned one of the Yankees guys the other week had a hundred wins. So it's tough record to get to, but uh, no, good on Spencer. He's on his way. Fantastic. And Dave Junior, any anybody catch the eye for you this week in MLB? Yes. So, as people listening to the podcast might realise by now, ninety nine percent of things are talk. Well, not not only the nonsense, but they're generally White Sox related. I'll I'll take this back a little bit to answer it for you, Richard. And I'm thinking about growing up watching football, and at a very early age, you start to develop heroes. And I've noticed that with my own club football and international football, I don't really have heroes anymore. Probably because I'm I'm older than the majority of them. But I, I just find that it's players that I kind of see with flaws, see with strengths. But I did wonder how that would be affected by baseball and if, if, if you develop a real love for any particular characters in the game. You know, Jose Abreu, who is the 2020 MVP for the American League, was obviously a standout for me early in my, my kind of baseball fandom. And the more and more I watched the guy, there's been a few instances this year. He's, he, he didn't have a strong start to the year, but you know he, he felt his way in. Again, that's quite common with the Chicago weather. Uh, given where he's from, uh, a lot of the guys can struggle in that part of the world. Um, you know, Not just Chicago, but that, that particular part of the hemisphere. Uh, although I'm not sure where Miggy Cabrera is for, from when he smacked that out the out the park with his very first yes but I think quite a lot of these guys do struggle when they come over in that winter weather but anyways he's had a pretty good start to the season not poor but not not the same heights as last season but every time I watch him he seems to be improving as a as a first baseman as well and even when he's at bat he's a he's a big big man a hell of a turn of pace between bases and there's been a few instances, but he's been hit by pitch this year, and he just seems to be a real a leader. He, he leads that clubhouse. He gets on with the game. He's been hit by pitches. He, he gets on with it. And in one of the games against Kansas this week, Dozier, one of the, the Kansas players, had a bit of a pop-up. Now, it didn't fly very far. Every White Sox player is looking up in the sky, waiting for it to come down. Jose stood there with his, with his glove, and as Dozy makes his run, as you should, to first base, because it could be dropped, he has went head first into Abreu, who, with his head looking towards the heavens, just didn't see him coming. So both players at pace collided and had to be um, es- escorted from the game, unfortunately. And they really took some serious injuries. Jose Abreu, being Abreu, uh, wanted in, once he was all patched up, he wanted back into the second game of that evening against Kansas which was just ridiculous but apparently he was knocking the manager's door down to try and get back in. The following day when he was allowed back in he smacked a home run and then in game four which was absolutely wild the other night, I don't know if you guys had a chance to see it, the the game this was the fourth game against Kansas went into the bottom of the ninth so again for listeners Kansas have had their chance to kind of finish things off so the Royals were 3-2 up getting to the, the bottom of the ninth White Sox managed to sneak it to get three each and then Abreu managed to sneak or steal home on a wild pitch and it was absolutely wild You know, watching him do that the celebrations at home plate the celebrations in the dugout they had to go to, to New York to make sure they hadn't been tagged right at home home plate but it was quite something to watch as he slid home. And, you know, these guys are debating, was it his, you know, was it the catcher's, the string from his mitt that touched Abreu? Because that would be deemed illegal. Uh, so it wouldn't be deemed as a tag. Or did he catch the, the lining of his shirt? And there was all sorts of kind of ramifications until finally they judged that it was a, a score and the White Sox went on to win 4-3. But again, seeing the joy in his face, uh, everybody else within the clubhouse just rushing towards him. Uh, it was absolutely fantastic. So after a week of ups and downs for him, uh, he seems to always come out on top. Does our Jose? He's a leader of men, isn't he? You can see that every successful baseball team has those kind of guys, the guys that the rest of the team look up to. And I know, certainly from hearing in the past, I think it was Eloy Jimenez 
speaking before about there's almost a kind of father and son dynamic between Abreu and some of the younger guys there. That's how much they look up to him and how much he's helping them just by example and by his character. And, and Yorkshire Dave, those kind of guys are, are crucial if you want to be a successful ball club, aren't they? Yeah, I think they refer to it as like the, the captain in the clubhouse, don't they? And uh, I'm not sure that every club has one or has an official captain. I'm thinking back to sort of Derek Jeter, who's a you know, guy I really admire, has um, actually managed to see him play. And he was, you know, the official captain and what a player he was and what a inspiration he must have been to really probably the last of the great uh, Yankees teams. I'm not, I don't mean forever. Like, you know, <laughs> I'm sure, that, I'm sure they'll, they'll come back strong again. Yeah, I think I think it's important, you know, especially to a, a man out there like in football. I think the captains are quite important in most teams, especially in cricket. You know, we, we, we do sort of show comparisons between baseball and cricket, but cricket the captain is almost like the manager on pitch. He's responsible for the tactics during the game. It doesn't go quite that far in baseball, does it? But certainly for morale, it's uh, you know it's absolutely vital if you've got a guy like that that everyone looks up to and can really rally the, rally the troops when it's uh, most needed. Well, I've celebrated a lot of, of good stuff in baseball there. Anything this week that att- attracted your guys' ire? Anybody particularly annoying, anything particularly upsetting anyone? Are we all a, are we a happy Highland bullpen this week? You know, do you know what? I was looking at sort of highlights, villains and something to talk about. And I think I've mentioned sort of Red Sox quite a lot. And then I, I've been quite, yeah, baseball is just an incredible game. <laughs> you know, records, we talk about records are breaking almost every day, you know. And I saw this headline, was it this morning or yesterday? And it was quite a good headline. It says, that was fast. Cole snaps week old record. And I thought, and I had heard that Cole had achieved 61 strikeouts before he had issued a walk. And that resonated with me because I thought, well, wasn't it the week before, which is what the headline alluded to, was that Corbin Burns of the Brewers had broken that record in 58 strikes. So I thought, come on, Garrett Cole, the Yankees, you know, couldn't you allow the man to a little bit more time to enjoy his moment? You know, a week later, it does it. And I hadn't really thought it through. And I went back to read the article, both articles about Cole's record and Burns's record. And it turns out that Corbin Burns had actually, when he got his 58, he'd broken two records. So he's a starting pitcher. And from the start of this season, it was an absolute record that 58 strikeouts without him issuing a walk. I mean, this is really important, isn't it? You know, baseball players are measured on everything they do, aren't they? Pitchers, wins, strikeouts walks hugely important so the fact that he had gone it took out 58 guys and not issued one walk since the start of the season was a record since 1893 when the mound was actually moved to its present distance 60 feet six inches also it was a record at any stage of the season logically Cole getting the 61 this week, they were actually going against each other almost head to head, and I hadn't really realised this. So when when Corbin Burns got his 58, he had actually, for the moment, broken Garrett Cole's record of 56 strikeouts without a walk, not since the start of the season, but at any point. So I thought, well, yeah, we'll let Garrett Cole off because actually he was just getting his own record back when, a week later. And it was, you know, obviously they don't pitch every day, do they start in pitches, pitch every five days. So it had been his turn to have a go at getting the record back. He got, he got to 61. 
in, in actual fact, apparently it wasn't really one of his classic games. And um, he took the loss in the game. The Yankees lost the game. And in the interview afterwards, you know, he couldn't even really enjoy the moment. He was actually very apologetic, almost contrite about the fact that, you know, he had contributed to the Yankees' loss. But there, yeah, he's a, it looks like a class act, Garrett Cole, and a great, you know, as a Red Sox fan, I was hoping maybe I could make a Yankee of him. But I ended up sort of making him a bit of a, a hero, two heroes in one. I hope I didn't confuse anyone there. I was confused myself this morning, but I think I managed to sort it out. No, that was good. That all came together beautifully. That was a nicely executed double play from you there, Yorkshire Dave. So thank you very much for that. So in terms of just general action from this week, either involving my Mariners or, and I have to admit it, the, the Tigers taught us a lesson last night with Alan's team coming out on top in the clash of the Highland bullpen teams. Anything else caught your eye before we move on to our AAA Ask About Anything section? The Tigers are no longer fifth in the American Central League. And I'll say that while I have the opportunity. We've got 15 wins, 26 losses, but the Twins are 13 wins, 26 losses. So I have to get that in somehow. Quite right too, Alan. I think we can, we can all respect that. The White Sox, again, on the back of my comments about Abreu, over a, a really good week. And it's, uh, it's funny, you go into the week thinking you've got seven games coming up, uh, four against Kansas, who had been struggling. I think Allen's Tigers had took them, maybe even swept them at one point. Swept them last week. Yeah, and, and we lost two out of the four. And you think to yourself, that's quite poor. We've managed to sweep Minnesota ourselves, who now sit beneath the Tigers. And you think to yourself, well, you've lost twice to Kansas. Is it really that good? But you've actually come out in a hell of a lot stronger. I think we've got the best record in, in MLB just now. Um, yeah, it's a, a little bit touching on my comment from last week. I think you've got to find yourself humbled quite often because if you ever manage to win 100 games in a season, you'll have lost a hell of a lot as well, but you would be deemed as having a, a pretty remarkable season uh, to, only, to lose only 62 games. So I think it's always something I've got to keep in the back of my head that no matter how high-flying you think you might be, there's plenty of teams out there can can come along and beat you. Absolutely. I mean, the, the Mariners had a good good series recently against the the Indians and then have kind of fallen away. But I think the Indians may have got the best of the, the Tigers recently as well. And the Tigers have beat the Mariners. It's just the way baseball, the way baseball works. On AAA, ask about anything this week. We've got one that was submitted actually a couple of weeks ago. So apologies for only getting around to it now. But it was a listener Who's uh, who watched the San Francisco Giants' Maurizio Dubon charge into a third base coach a couple of weeks back in a match against the Colorado Rockies and slammed right into him and the, he, he was out at the plate. He didn't make it to home plate. But we were being asked, what's the rule? You see third base coaches waving waving their guys round for home plate or, or telling them to stay. And what's the rule in terms of of interference. So we're, we're able to, to clear that one up that it is interference and the, the player will be deemed out if, in the judgment of the umpire, the base coach at third base or at first base, by touching or holding the runner, physically assists them in returning to or leaving third base or first base. So effectively, it's if, if, the, if the coach at either of those two corner plates does something to either you can imagine holding a guy to, to stop him charging towards home plate when the ball's already in its way to the catcher, or alternatively giving him a shove, telling him go, go, go. But you you you, you will all have regularly seen the big gestures when they're making sure they can see him the big on you go. But that was really to set up my favorite story, a bit of baseball history, and I know we love our baseball history here. The other way you can become out. Uh, through interference is if a base coach leaves his area or does something to act in a manner to draw a throw from a fielder. Because in 1914, St. Louis Cardinals manager Miller Huggins, great name, told a Brooklyn Dodger pitcher, can you just throw me the ball? Just I want to see, make sure it's okay. The young pitcher threw the ball over to him to allow him to check it out, at which point Miller stepped out of the way, let the ball roll past and signalled for his guy in third base to run home and score a run. So 
I love Miller, Miller Huggins has now become my heroes as well. He's my my hero Huggins, but uh, that's the rules around interference and one of the great examples of baseball history of why those are the rules today. First time, Dave. Another fantastic question submitted to the Highland Bullpen. Remember, if you want to get into AAA, ask about anything, then just get in touch in one of our various social media channels. And when it comes to social, Alan hits a home run every time. How can listeners get in touch, Al? Yep, it's a worrying thing when I'm the, the social person of the four of us, isn't it? So there we go, guys. We're on Twitter, Highland Bullpen, obviously, Facebook, Highland Bullpen, and, and Instagram as well. They've all got messaging facilities. Just go along there, give us a follow, drop us a question. That's what the other folk have been doing. It's nice to hear from people. It's good to get your questions. Not all of which we know straight off because we are pretty much rookies here in comparison as well. Surely it's only a matter of time, Alan, before you've got us all on TikTok. I'm not sure the world's quite ready for that yet, Yorkshire. But Hamish might have a chance. I think the rest of us might struggle. <laughs> when you're asking for suggestions, Alan, over the, the coming weeks, I've definitely got two that have been mentioned to me the last week. The first one was uh, from Domina, who asked, can you tell us a bit more about tailgating? We've mentioned tailgating before on the show, but we've never really explained what it is or, or why it's done. And the second one, was somewhere a whole lot closer to home. Uh, a little boy mentioned to me the other night, Dad, is baseball the most energetic sport played with trousers? I, I did think that was quite interesting. The first one that came to mind was cricket, but I would probably say that there's more going on in baseball, moving around-wise. And then there's some other ones like darts and golf, but they aren't really sports. Stick up. So, yeah, so I, I did think it's quite interesting. I wonder if there's ever been any baseball players to give it a go with shorts, but I thought, I wonder if that gives a little bit of danger when it comes to batting, potentially hitting yourself. Very strict rules. I mean, it even forms part of the strike zone, doesn't it? The definition of the strike zone is the, the, the belt of the trousers or pants halfway between the oxters, as we say, in the, or the top of the shoulders and the belt. But the belt does appear in the definition of the strike zone, so... A fantastic question, as ever. I think from the from the mouths of babes, we get the best questions But that one. And the bit about the, the belt is good, because obviously boxing, you're not allowed to punch below the belt, but the rules <laughs> there have always been a bit more open to interpretation, and I've seen <laughs> some absolute classics over the years, with our shots coming up to just before their shoulders and stuff like that. I've, uh, I've seen some great ones over the years, but I think, as you say, the rules on uniforms are more regulated. In baseball, uh, I believe. And again, if you want to pick up some really stylish examples, you know to head over to Dugout Classics. We'll get some of our followers to maybe give us some comments on that would be useful. Uh, And maybe we'll have a a longer chat about that uh, once we've had a wee bit of time to think about that. Because there's a lot of great stuff, as you say, about punching below the belt. But the one I'll chuck in just now for no further comment, but pretty energetic, I think, is judo. A great shout. Feel free to throw your suggestions at the Highland Bullpen, and tailgating as well is another terrific topic. Now, for those of you that know that us as, as free Scotsmen and a Yorkshireman, and in this case, there should be some real synergy here, we like a bargain. Now, MLB TV, which is a fantastic resource for fans of baseball throughout the United Kingdom, recently did a great offer. Now, that offer has come to an end, but keep an eye out to see if it comes back again. It was basically 50% off for their TV package for the rest of this season, either to choose to follow your favourite team and get to watch every single game with extended highlights of other games, or the all-teams package, which is only a little bit more. But if you love baseball and there's several teams you, you like to keep an eye on, it's fantastic value as well. So that deal, as we speak tonight, has just ended. But please do keep an eye out and bag a baseball bargain. Alan, what's happening in the world of fantasy baseball? Quickly glossing over our own Highland bullpen division, as Detroit Tiger suck, continues to suck, and the the trading specialist of the White Jocks are shooting ahead. We'll probably need a full 40-minute episode to get White Jocks' insight into how to build a successful fantasy baseball team, I think. 
The big one, the UK Baseball Podcasters League. As you know, unbeaten the first five weeks. Unbeaten for six weeks, guys. Five wins, one draw. Consolidating our position in third place. The good old birds with balls have moved back up into first place. They had a stunning win this week. So we're we're pretty tight with fly ball to the moon just above us and angels over the pond. Uh, another Yorkshire-based podcast, obviously focusing on the, the, the Angels Angels, just beneath us. Uh, so delighted with that. We've already, somebody within the team has decided that Spencer Turnbull would be our pitcher of the week. Uh, no prizes for guessing uh, who that was. And we've already made it fairly obvious who the batter of the week should be, although he's said to go on to the, the day-to-day list, I think. But Jose Obreu. Seven runs, two home runs, seven runs batted in, but a batting average for the week, 474. Not quite the seven for seven, but pretty impressive stuff. He helped us to a 5-4 win over Yankees. I'm presuming Ian of Bats, Caps and Sunflower Seeds is a New York Yankees fan. Although I do need to give a special shout out to Dylan Moore of the Seattle Mariners. About four or five o'clock in the morning, our time, Dylan stole a base in the eighth innings. Uh, and that stolen base tied that category for us and saw the score move from 5 5 to 5 4. So go, Dylan. We love you. Absolutely. And that one of the Mariners, Mr. Versatility, is having, having a good season so far as well. So it sounds, Alan, like the birds with balls are flying high. But can Dave Jr., can the bullpen do a Rennie Stennett and go seven for seven and remain unbeaten after six unbeaten weeks? Yes. Well, that's the kind of informed insight you only <laughs> get on the Highland bullpen. <laughs> we should point out that Dave Jr. is probably a little distracted just now because he's probably making some more trades to his Chicago White Jocks team within the, the inter-bullpen league. And it's fair to say that there's there's more trading goes on with Dave Jr. than you'll find in Wall Street on the average week. So what's yeah, the please, secret of your success? Please don't interrupt me when I'm making some deals, Richard. <laughs> Pretty bad crack. I'd actually like to flag up that I noticed you know, we've had a, a great start to the season with, with the other podcasts. We've done really, really well. And I think I know that Alan's put a whole lot of hard work in and uh, Dave's contributed a, a hell of a lot as well. I don't know if you've been involved behind the scenes, Richard, but I know that other than suggesting White Sox players, I've not really been any use at all. Dave Jr., by, by not being involved, that's by been not. my successful contribution. To, that's been a contribution to the success. However, I've, I've noticed that since the golf courses reopened, that's when we've took a little bit of a slide in the last couple of weeks. Uh, the more that Alan gets out there and gets onto the, the golf course, We've actually started losing a few points, so I don't really care for that, Alan. I can only apologise for that, but you, you will be pleased to know I was selected from a golf club team for the first time at the weekend. I didn't play particularly well. Our, our team were, were humped, would be the technical phrase, uh, 5-1. But myself and my partner contributed to the, the one. As I say, I didn't play particularly well, but... In a nip-and-tuck match, uh, it was all square, and I won the 12th hole, which put us one up, and we never relinquished the lead from there. So I'm fairly sure in baseball terms, despite the fact it might have been the only hole I won, I will get the win for that, as opposed to my partner, who played considerably better than I did. It's all about the stats, in my mind. There's nothing like a team player who comes off the pitch (laughs) thinking about... I'm the, I'm the one in five and one. Well done. <laughs> you play uh, golf in trousers as well, don't you, usually? Although I think, remember, was it was it Brian Barnes, the Scotsman, going back? Was it Brian Barnes? Many Brian years Barnes ago. enjoyed wearing shorts. Yeah. Brian Barnes as well. He enjoyed a refreshment on the golf course. Yeah. And one day had excessive refreshments and used his beer can as the tea. Who was it who used to smoke a pipe as well? It wasn't him as well, was it? At Barnes, he smoked a pipe as well, yeah. Yeah, he had a lot going for him, didn't he? <laughs> Barnes is a golfer. Scotland's greatest I, golfer of his time. My kind of golfer. Absolutely. Who's the, the Spanish golfer, Alan, that likes a cigar? I like him as well. Miguel Angel Jimenez. Go to the same hairdresser, Richard. 
<laughs> and of course, Alan, now you've revealed that you, you you love your golf as well as your baseball. Does that make you like the Bo Jackson or the Dion Sanders of the bullpen as a, a double sports star, Alan? Um, do you not need to be able to participate in, or have some ability to, to play <laughs> like that? I did the cycling as well. He's a man of many talents. Absolutely. And once once all the lockdown restrictions are lifted, in the part of the world where we are, folks, there's still severe lockdown restrictions. And obviously around the world, there's many places in the worst state than us that we recognise. But once lockdown is over and we can all mingle again, then I think we're up for having some some baseball action. And listeners will enjoy getting to watch us try, and the operative word here is try, to, to hit a baseball. Oh, absolutely. I can't wait. We can just find, again, that's, that's perhaps the beauty of the game. We can take a few baseballs. I'm sure we can grab a couple of mitts from somewhere, toss the ball around. I think we can really enjoy ourselves. And we still have an offer there from Jason to go and uh, join in at the batting cages through in Edinburgh. Uh, and hopefully, although Yorkshire Dave is the most far-flung of the bullpen bros, hopefully we could time it for a time when Yorkshire Dave is north of the border. My wee boys enjoying playing baseball a lot just now, but my God, we, we use a softball when we're playing. Uh, a softball's still pretty hard, to be honest with you, but it really brought home to me again just how hard we at proper baseball as well. They're absolutely rock hard. Mm. I know cricket balls are rock hard too, but I haven't seen one of them for quite a while. But I, I just literally, the idea of that being thrown at 100 miles per hour, very close to what we'd call in Scotland, your cooping. Your head, I don't know if it, it really brings home the kind of the courage as well as the skill of professional baseball players. I totally agree with that. I think you know, cricket is looked upon like less so now, but you know, you go back to the, the 60s when it was still a, it's a competitive professional sport. People sort of watching it, it looks sort of quite a relaxed sort of game played by gentlemen, <laughs> you know, look quite natty in the sort of white. <laughs> Shirts and tra- proper trousers, you know. But actually, yes, when you get right down to it, you know, someone bouncing a very hard leather ball, uh, sometimes aimed at your <laughs> Swede, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a dangerous activity if you don't know what you're doing. And certainly, baseball. I, yeah, I think it was was it the Red Sox Angels game recently, and I forget their player, but he's got a bit of a reputation. He sort of, I don't know if this is even a stat, but does he lead lead the game in hit by pitches? And he definitely leaned into a pitch to try and get to first base. I mean, really, it, the, mind you, I listen to New England Sports Network, so they are sort of Red Sox, you know, sort of uh, point of view. But the very next pitch, the Red Sox pitcher aimed one at his head. Now, that was totally off. And even like uh, Dennis Eckersley, the sort of legendary Red Sox closer, he said that was totally out of order. I mean, you could not just do some damage. You could you know, you could kill someone if you hit someone. Even with the you know the, the helmets that they wear, they're not... I'm sure I heard somebody getting criticised the other day for the helmet he was wearing because it, it had a guard on each side. Crikey, I'd, I'd want a sort of full face job, I think, if I was going to bat. But they were saying, well, oh, that, that helmet should definitely have a chin strap on me, like he was sort of being a bit soft. I'd want one of those, like, Italian riot police full suits, full body suits to go in here and need it, to be honest with you. And talking about the cricketers, I always think, and the fastest pitches in baseball are around about the fastest speed that you get in cricket as well. There's not much difference between the fastest bowling and the fastest pitching in terms of overall speed but the West Indies were legendary for having the very best and fastest bowlers in the world in the late 70s and early 80s and I always remember particularly when teams toured there how brave you had to be to stand up to a day Uh, they'd probably get you out long before then but you remember that Yorkshire Dave and some of the great fast bowlers that Joe Garner and Michael Holding and all those guys They didn't just have four, did they? They, they just had a, like an endless production line of world-class bowlers. Michael Holding, is, I think he was my favourite of the lot. I mean, he, you can't really look much past Malcolm Marshall, but Michael Holding's action was just it was a liquid cricket, to, uh, <laughs> to, to misquote Alan Partridge. You know, it's, it's funny, actually, that although it's a completely different 
action, you know, is that the bowling rather than pitching. So the rule is in cricket that you can't bend your elbow. So that's why bowling rather than throwing or pitching. But yes, I, I think that sort of closing pitcher really putting everything into it can get 101 miles an hour or maybe slightly more. The real top fast bowlers would be late 90s, maybe. Maybe they could get to 100, I'm not sure, but I think it's slightly less. But yeah, remarkably similar. Yeah, absolutely. You're right. It's a, it's a much reader feat, but I definitely remember the likes of Brett Lee, the Aussie fast bowler. I'm sure he, he, he yeah. had three figures yeah. and, and, and others as well have done it. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I don't think any coward has ever stepped up to a Major League Baseball plate. To be honest with you, I think the next coward will be the first. Is Alan, I guess you've probably encountered that in your golfing adventures when you've seen or, or come up against someone, you think, wow, that guy's different gravy. Yeah, one, one of my f- friends, a professional golfer, who's won in the European Tour, so I've played with him. I played in the sort of courses we would play on, so not the big championship courses. I think my high moment at that point was that the, the one hole I birdied that day was like one of the 10 holes he didn't birdie. So again, that's me trying to claim some sort of victory. I, I don't know why he succumbed to a pad on that hole, but yeah, it's, it's just these guys are standing up on holes that you will approach with trepidation and they're, they're looking for birdie opportunities all the, all the time. Golf's an interesting one compared to cricket, I think, perhaps, because I, I can hit as good a drive, maybe not the distance, I can hit as good a wedge, I can hit as good a putt as these guys, but I can't do it. 70 times in a round on, on, on the golf as well for amateurs among amongst us the Augusta Masters but we did we did an episode with uh, an, an amateur Scottish golfer played off 12-13 handicap I think it was who was a journalist and won the journalist lottery to play around Augusta National so if you're interested in a bit more golf or a bit of the Masters go, go and check out all the other Highland Bullpen podcasts and you'll, you'll catch Ewan telling us all about that there Thanks, Alan. It's a reminder of all the other great content that listeners can catch up on. Dave Jr., looking to the week ahead, I know from a Mariners perspective, we are sitting at the moment at 500 and with the Padres and the the A's coming up, I would be delighted if we're still sitting at 500 or above come this time next week. But what's in store for the White Sox this week and what's your kind of ambition for results for the coming seven days? Do you know, th- this week's a bit unknown, although having said that, the next few nights, very known, uh, and that we're playing uh, Minnesota again. So we kicked off a three-game fixture. So a three-game series. That's, that's the word I was looking for. Last night, and we were really, really successful. Managed to win that 16-4, uh, which was absolutely fantastic. Really interesting in that one. Uh, something that happened with the White Sox a few weeks ago, uh, and we all had a bit of debate about it, was having one of your uh, outfield players pitch in the last inning, and that's exactly what the, the Twins done last night. Again, it was quite interesting. You, you wonder if it's just really, if you're getting pulverised in a game, why ruin the arm, a good arm that you could use the next day? So uh, we've, we've been over that debate before, but it's quite interesting. What was also interesting is that the, the man that gets mentioned more often than Ted Williams, your man Mercedes, he stepped up to the plate last night and given that the first baseman threw a pitch at 49 miles per hour, he was already three for all. So normally, if you guys correct me, normally at that point in proceedings, the the batter would allow a strike. Uh, would that be, that's, that's the general kind of rule? I'm not entirely sure where that comes from, but it seems to be a bit of gentleman's conduct. Uh, if you're three for all, uh, you, you would let the pitcher have a, a good chance. But Which this boy... 15-4 through a 49-mile-per-hour pitch and Mercedes absolutely crushed it 430 feet out the park, which was uh, quite amusing to watch. And, but we've got another two games against Minnesota, who, although they sit bottom of American League Central, they always seem to give us a really tough game. However, going back to what I was saying earlier... We've got a bit of an unknown week, so by the time the next podcast rolls round, we've played six games against unknown opponents. To the extent we haven't played the Yankees this season, but we travelled to New York for three, uh, and then we welcome the Cardinals for three games, 
Uh, and again, we haven't played them. Going on a little bit further, they're actually you know, on the back of that series. There's another four games against Baltimore who we haven't played so far this season. So just now is a good time to get some wins under the belt because you've got some some games against unknown opponents, really, uh, in terms of how they how they'll, those two crews will, will come off against each other. Absolutely. And for Yorkshire, Dave, your Boston Red Sox, kind of a key week coming up. You're taking on the Toronto Blue Jays, who are your, your nearest challengers in the AL East. So there's a chance this week that series will be halfway through or thereabouts by the time this podcast comes out. But... Yorkshire, Dave, an opportunity to get some daylight between you and your rivals in the AL East? Yeah, it'd be a good test, won't it? Uh, did listen to a bit of a podcast this morning. They were looking ahead to next month, really, when it seemed to be suggesting that they're always a bit a bit down on Red Sox. So not, not totally, but I think they reckon the, the Red Sox are here to stay in terms of being competitive this season. But looking ahead, and certainly the Blue Jays is um, a team uh, with a winning record. So they're well above 500. And the second in the division, which is important to get ahead of them, they're only one and a half games back. So for Red Sox, they're still top, but they they no longer got their best record in baseball. I think that's now Dave's... White Sox. And the suggestion is that if you look at the last three series that they've won, they've all been against teams with a losing record. They haven't played the Yankees at all yet. They don't play them until very late in the season. I think traditionally you would get them quite early on. I think you'd feel quite happy with the way things are going. They look like a good team. They were unfortunate to lose the game against the, the Angels. I don't know if you saw it last night. They got back with 4-0 down and got back to 5-4. The closer came on, I think, instead of coming on in the ninth inning, he had to get the last out of the eighth. Then he got the next two out. And then Mr. Trout came up to bat, who's going through a bit of a slump for him. In fact, I was getting ready to sort of send a message to you guys. I've noticed that he's got the name, he's got the word out in his surname. But, you know, it just shows you that he hit a bloop single, which just fell. It went really high in the air. It went really high. And neither the, the second baseman, the first baseman, or the right fielder could get there. Because it was Mike Trout, they played the outfield really far back. So he got into first base and then our friend Otani came up and knocked it out of the park to give them a, a, a 6-5 lead, which um, the Red Sox were unable to, to overturn. So, yeah, they almost swept the Angels, but, you know, they've got a losing record. Yeah, I think we'll learn a bit more about the Red Sox in not just the next week, but the next few weeks. So been some couple of interesting wee twists to that series as well. I noticed that the Red Sox, Dave, have been far more successful away from Fenway so far this season. They've got a 12 and 5 record on the road currently. And the Blue Jays, of course, are all the way down. They are far from far from Toronto. They're in Dunedin, Florida, having to, to play there a temporary home due to COVID restrictions in Toronto. A week from now, they actually move up to Buffalo, back to playing there, which is a slightly yeah. bigger, I think, ballpark scenario. So I think a lot of the Blue, the Blue Jays players feel that the playing in such a small ballpark hasn't helped them. Yeah, I didn't know until recently about this thing. Dunedin, is it the old name for Edinburgh, isn't it, I think? I think you're right, yeah. I don't, I'm feeling, I don't. Uh, but I don't, I don't know the ins and outs of that, of why, why they're down there. It's possibly... Possibly weather-related. You know, I think Buffalo in the early season. Just before we move on too much, Richard, uh, talking about the White Sox week ahead, uh, for uh, also tying in with MLB TV, for those of you out there that listened to the podcast before Saturday, it's a really good chance to catch the White Sox. So, again, flying high just now against a real established giant of the Yankees. That's actually the MLB.TV free game of the day on Saturday. Uh, and the reason I mention it, you know, there is a free game every day, but that free game is actually at 6.05pm our time. 
in the UK. So I think it's a great chance to watch two really good teams up against each other at a pretty palatable hour. Uh, that's if you've not completely sported yourself uh, out of the day after watching Dave's Hibernian take on St Johnston in the Scottish Cup final. Fantastic. That's a bumper Saturday of sport in anyone's books, I reckon. But before we get there, Alan, who are the Tigers going to tame or be tamed by this week? Two three-game series. We've obviously started uh, the West Coast aspect of this in Seattle with a win last night. So two more games against Seattle. Mm. Staying on the road, but we've got three games against the Royals. The Royals are the next team in our sights in that American League Central, but I think we're maybe a wee bit too far away to expect too much for that but that's that's where we go and are we on the road so yeah I think pitching depth has been good for the Tigers that, that's encouraged me as a as a relative novice it looks quite impressive compared to what I saw last year uh, it seems to be bringing the odd rewards 28 30 teams as we stand is not not great just one last point we will have an episode talking about names I hadn't thought about Mike Trout being out but I was listening to Astro's baseball podcast and we were trying to Rob recently and we'll get a chat that chat out with him in podcast. The Astro's catcher or an Astro's catcher is Castro. The catcher for the C for the catcher and A Astro. So Cast Castro. Michelle did that. Castro the Astro, which is <laughs> cool. I think that's where I got that one from. So it was good good listen again from Michelle and Rob. Always a great lesson, and, and, and I think the the early leader in the race for the, the best nickname in baseball, I think Castro the Astro. Thanks for listening this week, everyone. Don't miss Dave Jr.'s wonderful White Sox taking on the Yankees on Saturday in the MLB TV three game of the day. We'll see you again soon. <laughs>